In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. In the beginning, I like to say that uh, I enjoyed the two songs that you chanted. I think one you mentioned Emmanuel in it, yes. so it's for God, and the second one, Maria, yes. so for Saint Mary. Beautiful songs, although I don't understand, but uh, the singing, the voices, and the music was beautiful. Second point, uh, I like also to tell you that uh, I am aware about the war in Ethiopia and we are praying for peace, uh, reconciliation, unity, and the end of this war peacefully. I know things are better right now, but still not completely over. So we're praying that the peace of God may come upon Ethiopia and they enjoy peace, reconciliation, and prosperity. The third thing, we'll study Second Thessalonians chapter 1. And after the beautiful introduction that Abuna actually mentioned, uh, what we're going to do just, uh, we're going to go over verse by verse. Uh, it is a, a small chapter, 12 verses. So we'll go just verse by verse to understand the meaning of the verse, keeping in mind the beautiful introduction that Abuna just gave about the ministry of St. Paul, all the New Testament, then uh, the first and second letter. Uh, to Start from verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, these two verses is salute, this start with salutation. And any church is founded in God and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's why he said, the church of the Thessalonians, in God our fathers and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, any church is founded in God and His Son by the Holy Spirit. And he starts by saying grace and peace. And if you think grace and peace are the most needed gifts to any believer. Why? Grace, because without God, we cannot do anything. You need grace to do anything in your life. As the Lord said, uh, without me, you cannot do anything. You can do nothing without me. So we need the grace. And peace, because we are living in a stormy world, definitely we need peace. The world is like the sea, waves up and down all the time. That's why the greeting in most of the letters of the apostles is started by peace and grace. And we have to know the grace of God first 
in order to experience his peace. We have to know the grace of God and be filled with the grace of God in order to enjoy the peace. That's why he starts grace and peace. Uh, this letter written by St. Paul, but Silvanus, Silvanus is Silas. So these are two different names for the same person. Uh, and Timothy, were with him. Verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you. As Abuna said, uh, he commended their perseverance in the persecution. So St. Paul is saying, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting. Why? Yeah, it's fitting to thank God on your behalf. Why? Because your faith grows exceedingly. And the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. So he offered thanksgiving. St. Paul is giving thanks to God on their behalf. Why? Number one, their faith grows exceedingly. Number two, their love abounds toward each other, as he instructed them in the first letter. In the first letter, he instructed them that their love to one another should abound. Now he is thanking God. What will make any pastor or any apostle or any priest to be happy when he sees his people growing in faith and also their love for one another increasing? They are not in conflict with one another. Verse 4. So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. So he's saying when we go to another church, we boast of you. Why? Because of their patience and their faith during the time of persecution and their endurance of the tribulations. So the third reason why he is offering thanks to God because of their faith and endurance of all the persecutions and tribulations. So these are the three reasons why he is giving thanks to God. Their faith grows exceedingly their love abounds toward each other and also their faith and endurance of all the persecutions and tribulations. And I want you to notice St. Paul founded this church, but he is not giving credit to himself. He did not say, my ministry helped you to love one another and to grow in faith. No. He does not give any credit to himself, but to God. That's why he is bound to give thanks to God always as fitting, because it is the grace of God that's working in them, not his ministry, not his labor. So we as Sunday school servants or clergy, when we see people are growing in faith, their love toward one another growing, they persevere. We should give actually thanks to God, not to praise ourselves for this ministry, 
because it is the grace of God. St. Paul also boasts of them among other churches. Why? To set an example and also to encourage other churches and motivate them. When he goes to another church and tells them, you know, the people in Thessalonica is doing this and doing that, this actually will motivate the other churches and encourage them. Verse 5, which is manifest, which referring to their endurance of the tribulation, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, of which you also suffer. So St. Paul says, their endurance of suffering is evidence that they are looking for something better. Why I endure? Why a student endure in studying? He's looking for graduation and work and career. What a farmer endures in planting and farming, he's looking for the harvest. Why these people endured hardships and tribulations? If there is nothing better in the future, why they would endure? It would be easy for them to deny Christ. But their endurance is evidence that they are looking for something better. What is something better? What they are looking for? To be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. To be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. for which you also suffer. Verse 6, Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay tribulation with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. So he say. God is righteous and his judgment is just. He will repay with tribulation those who trouble you. And you who endured, God will repay you with rest when Jesus Christ is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in his second coming. So, their endurance is also an evidence that they believe in the righteous judgment of God. They believe in the righteous judgment of God. You know, God told us the story of the rich man and Lazarus. On earth, the rich man was very, very cruel with Lazarus. And Lazarus suffered all his life. But after both of them died, we can see the righteous judgment of God. It's opposite. It reversed. Lazarus is comforted and the rich man suffers. So God will repay with tribulations those who trouble them. God will give rest to those who are troubled and to the apostles who also endured persecution. Then he spoke about his second coming. 
with mighty angels, verse 8, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how he described the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? He will come with his mighty angels because these mighty angels will execute the righteous judgment of God. And God will come in a flaming fire. Whether this fire is fire of his glory, as he appeared in the burning bush to Moses, or the fire of his vengeance. So it will be the same fire. Fire of glory being manifested in, in before the whole world, and also fire of punishment, of vengeance upon those who do not obey, do not know God, and do not obey the gospel of Christ. His vengeance will be upon those who do not God, even from nature or consciences, because heaven declares the glory of God, firmament tells us about the existence of God. Our conscience tells us there is a creator. So those who do not or refuse to know God, God will punish them with flaming fire. And also those who know God, but do not obey the gospel of Christ. Because faith requires obedience. It is not only uh, you need to believe, but also you need to obey. Faith requires obedience. That's why he said, in flaming fire, taking vengeance. Number one, on those who do not know God. Number two, on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So the punishment will be everlasting destruction, not temporarily. Everlasting destruction. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction. And this destruction will come just from the presence of the Lord. They will be driven away. And presence of the Lord is the presence of his mercy. So, driven away from the presence of, the, of God, then they will not enjoy his mercy. And also, from the glory of his power, they will not enjoy the glory of God. They will not be glorified with him. We will be glorified with God. But these people who do not know him or do not obey the gospel of Christ will not enjoy the glory of God. Verse 10, when he comes, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes in that day to be glorified in his sins and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. So in his second coming, the Lord will be glorified in his sins because of his marvelous works in them. We will see how his grace 
work it in his sins and they will be able for example to forgive to endure to shed their blood for the name of Christ so he will be glorified in his sins in Psalm 115 every liturgy we say praise God in all his sins when we see like when we see the endurance the persevering faith of the people in Thessalonica we praise God we give thanks to God so God is glorified in his sins and also admired among all the believers when they see the glory of God. Do you remember on the Mount of Transfiguration? And just God, you know, manifested a glimpse from his glory. And Peter said, it's good to be here. He refused, he didn't want to leave. When we see God in his second coming with his glory, everybody will, will admire the glory of God. The believers will admire the glory of God. And also, Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration were appeared in glory with Christ. So the Transfiguration also will be ours as well as his. So the believers in Thessalonica will participate in the joy because they believed the testimony of the apostles. As he told them, because our testimony among you was believed. So St. Paul t- told them, when I preached you and you believed our testimony, then you will be glorified on that day. You will be comforted. You will appear in glory. Then the last two verses, as Abuna mentioned, prayer. And as Abuna said, usually St. Paul in all his letters makes a prayer for his people. So, verse 11 and 12, Therefore, we also pray always, always very important, not once, we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling. That's number one. He's praying for them, that God will count them worthy of the calling to be Christian, and to inherit the kingdom of God. Number two, and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. So, St. Paul is praying always for them that God may count them worthy of his calling and to fulfill the good pleasure of his goodness. What is the good pleasure of his goodness toward us? God desires our salvation. He does not desire the death of a sinner, but rather that he returns and is saved. So when he said, I am praying for you that God fulfill the good pleasure of his goodness toward you means I am praying for your own salvation. And the third thing he is praying for and fulfill the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power and the work of faith to fulfill their work of faith with, with his power. Meaning what? Faith without work is what? Is dead. So as I told you, faith requires obedience. Faith requires work. But we cannot do anything without his grace, without his power. 
So, if you see these three prayers, beautiful prayers, count them worthy for the calling to be Christian. Then, fulfill his pleasure, good pleasure toward them, their salvation. Then, to empower them with his power and grace to be able to live the work of faith, the obedience of the of faith. Three beautiful prayers, St. Paul as a shepherd praying for his congregation. And why he is praying these three prayers, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified. So everything we do is at the end for the glory of God. May be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, when God counts them worthy of his calling, and he fulfilled their salvation, and fulfilled their work of faith, in this way the name of the Lord will be glorified in them. By fulfilling his works in them, so the people say, Glory be to God, praise the Lord, that he helped these people to achieve and live according to their calling and to be saved and to live the obedience of faith. And also, as I told you, we will be glorified also in him. As St. Paul said, if we suffer with him, we'll be glorified with him. This glory by receiving the grace of the Father and the Son in our life. That's why there is hollow on the head of the saints representing their glory. We also glorified in him by receiving uh, according to the grace of our God. So because we received the grace of God and the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, through this grace, we live the obedience of faith and thus will be glorified. So as I told you, it's a small chapter, but it's a beautiful chapter. It spoke about their persevering faith, the righteous judgment of God, and concluded by this beautiful prayer, glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.